Heavenly Father, we thank you that this world is yours. This church is yours. Our lives are yours. And Lord, we pray over these next few moments together that you would speak to us, Lord. You would encourage us from your word, Lord. You'd help us to be able to draw closer to you today. Let your word draw us closer, I pray, into the calling that you have for every single one of us. Lord, we pray this morning for our incredible team in Japan, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would be effective, Lord, in their ministry and leadership in that incredible nation, Lord God, and in that city. I pray you'd use them in a powerful way. Give them confidence and boldness, Lord God, as they minister and as they share your word, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what you want to do in this place today. From the outset right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in. We welcome you to come and move and have your way in us today. Do what only you can do in this place today. We welcome you here. And we pray for the Giants fans, that you be with them and comfort them in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. There's such a touch of God in this place this morning. I just really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful today. Let's open up our hearts from the start of this service and really believe for God to speak to us personally today. You know, there is a great sense that we are gathering corporately today, but the power of our Christianity is in our personal relationship with Jesus. When it gets personal, that is a life that's changed. When it gets personal, that is a life where they are on fire for God. When it gets personal, that's where the point of change and transformation happens in our lives. Let's not ever allow our Christianity just to be merely watered down to being a corporate thing. Let's always allow it to be personal in our own lives. The greatest gift that we can bring to this church is our own personal relationship with Jesus, outworked on a daily basis, personal in, in its nature, not just coming on a Sunday, but really knowing Jesus for ourselves. And that's where the change and the transformation comes. That's got nothing to do with my message, but I just wanted to add that in this morning. This morning, I want to speak a message entitled, Patience has a purpose. Patience has a purpose. I can't even believe I'm preaching this this morning because I don't like the word patience. How many of us search on YouTube, search on podcasts for a message on patience? Nobody's looking for a message to hear about patience. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to know about it in this instant kind of world that we live in where we can just put food in the microwave and it's available ready for us in two minutes. We don't want to wait 20 minutes. We don't want to have a delay in our McDonald's drive-through. We don't want the person in front to be taking time, getting their app out, making sure that they get it all there and taking the time any longer than it needs to be. It just has to be quick. We want it now. We want breakthrough like that. We want miracles like that. We want God to move like that. We want instant stuff. But have you noticed that Christianity is like a crockpot? There's moments where you're just trusting God. There's moments where there's a season in between and it's not what you expected. Just recently, uh, a couple of days ago, I was coming back from the shops and we live really close to the shops. And uh, Cooper is in the car with me and he's counting in the car. And uh, he's counting along and he's, he got up to 80, he got up to 90 seconds. And he's going, it's taking so long. 
And we finally got home on the 92nd mark. I mean, that's how close we are from the shops. But this kid is in there going, it's taking so long. I'm like, buddy, get ready for a trip. We're going to Queensland later in the year. Good luck with that. It's going to be taking so long then. But isn't that true that we can get so caught up in just trying to get to the next thing, the next destination, that we can forget what's happening right now? See, patience is preparation for purpose. We don't like to hear that, but patience is preparing you for your purpose. It's preparing you for what's next. In fact, I'd say it this way. Patience is faith flexing. Patience is faith flexing it's you trusting God in the season where it feels like nothing else is happening see we can sometimes think about patience like we're sitting on the lounge eating some potato chips just waiting for our next show to come on we can feel like we're just sitting there and it just feels like lost time we're just waiting for the next thing but can I say this morning it's actually when your faith is flexing most when you don't understand when you can't control what's happening next when you're waiting for the next, but you're unsure how it's going to outplay. When you're in that in-between season, there is an unknown factor to it. And it's a time of patience. Oh, nobody likes patience. We don't like it, but we don't realize how it's doing us good. I love Proverbs 16 verse 32. It says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Romans 3, uh, 5 verse 3 says it this way, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. In those times of waiting, in those seasons of not sure, not being sure what is next, but in those moments of in-between, God is with you in the midst. We sung about it this morning. There is another in the fire. God is there when the heat and the temperature is turned on in your life. And there's moments of patience. There's moments of holding on when it doesn't feel like it's going to work out okay. But it's still trusting God and having a hope in Him. That's faith activated. That's faith being put to the test. That's faith being activated in a way that it's causing you to flex. There is an effort to it, but there is a strength in knowing God is with you in the midst. God is with you in that season that you don't understand. God is with you when you're disappointed and frustrated about the delay. God is with you in the midst. I remember a few years ago, I was waiting to get some food. And I was just in this big shopping center and I was in this line waiting and I'm not a good waiter. I get frustrated and I was there and there was this older lady that was near me and she could see by my body language that I was frustrated in the waiting. And I was there so annoyed by the person in front of me that was talking and doing this long order and then having a chat about their day and what was going on and what they're doing over the weekend. I'm like, that's great, buddy, but I'm starving here. I'm ready to eat. And I'm waiting in my line and it's all going on and this lady kind of sees me and this older lady and she just comes over to me. I didn't know her, never met her. She's just obviously seen from my body language that I'm frustrated and she just walks over and just whispers in my ear and she goes hey young man patience is a virtue 
Thank you. Patience is a virtue. And I don't know whether I said this out loud or whether I said this in my head. I can't actually recall. I, I possibly said it out loud. But I said, patience is a pain. It's not just a virtue, it's a pain. And isn't that true? Patience is painful. Nobody enjoys being patient. Nobody is just enjoying that moment in a natural sense. But the Bible calls us to count it all joy. The Bible instructs us to find our peace in God, not our situation. Even when there's things that we can't control, the things that we don't understand. Yes, patience is a virtue, but sometimes it just feels like a pain. And it's hard and it's difficult to be able to stay in that season of waiting. See, patience is a pain that can produce purpose if we persevere. It can produce purpose in your life, but only if you hold on and trust God in the midst. See, in Scripture... In the Greek, there's two different uh, words that describe time. There's chronos time and there's kairos time. Chronos time is chronological time. It's an understanding that time is moving. That's the, the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days. It's the, uh, the sequence of time. It's, it's us understanding that time is always moving. Time is always coming. We look at our clock and there's a next moment. There's a next appointment. Time is moving all the time. It's chronological. It's happening. But then there's Kairos time. And Kairos time in the Bible talks about an appointed time, a God-appointed time. It's not just about the minutes, but it's about the moments. Kairos time. And in your life, there needs to be an understanding for each one of us that there is going to be moments that are chronological time, Kairos time, where there's things we are waiting for. But there is also a Kairos time. There's a Kairos, a God-appointed time where God has organized your miracle for you. God has gone before you and there is a moment that God has appointed for something significant to happen. We can't always understand that because our, our eyes and our filter look through that Kronos time. We look at the chronological time and we go, we're still waiting, God. It hasn't happened yet. God, I'm still waiting. There's another day that's gone by and it hasn't happened, God. God, why is it taking so long? And we, instead of looking at it through the filter of God's perspective, we're just looking at chronological time and we can find ourselves frustrated. But there is a Kairos time for you. There is a moment that God has got sorted for you. There is moments in your life that will surpass the minutes. Those moments are significant and powerful. And I guess for us, it's learning to understand that God doesn't work in our time. It says in Scripture that His ways are higher than our ways. He doesn't think like we think and He doesn't act like we want Him to act. He does things in his perfect time at the right time. And it's us understanding that. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. I wish this wasn't in the Bible, but it says love is patient. Oh, that's hard. Have you ever found it to be hard to be patient with your spouse? Don't put your hand up this morning. Have you ever found it's been hard to be patient with a friend? Patient with somebody that uh, is an employer or a boss or someone that you work with. It can be hard, but love is described as patient. We're all called to love our world. We're called to love those that are around us. We're called to love God. And there's moments in our life where that that call leads us to be patient. Even when we wouldn't want to naturally, but love rules the day. Love is what we've been called to do. We've heard about that in the offering this morning from Alfred. To love God and to love people means being patient at times. 
It means trusting even when we don't understand. It means believing in someone even when their behavior doesn't match up with the love that you've showed them. Being patient in those moments. So this morning, I want to take us to a passage in John chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you come, and come with me there to John chapter 11. This is the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It says this in verse 1, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Not just an acquaintance, not just somebody that Jesus had heard about secondhand, but somebody that Jesus knew personally and intimately. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. It kind of feels heartless, doesn't it? We read this passage and we think, someone's in need. Let's rush to get there as quick as possible, Jesus. Come on, let's get the pace going. We'll grab a few horses if we need to. Let's jump on it. We'll get the chariots riding along. Let's get back and get this miracle done. And you can imagine the, the pressure and the stress around that situation where Martha and Mary were expecting Jesus to move immediately. You can imagine even the disciples that were sitting around. Jesus has just received the news and then he says, hey boys, we're going to stay for another couple of days. And it must have felt so crazy. This moment in time must have felt like an eternity for the people in this story. Verse 7 says, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few years ago, the people, sorry, a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? There was a very real danger for Jesus to travel back to where Lazarus was. It wasn't just something that they were exaggerating in this moment. There were people that wanted to kill Jesus. And so going back into that area was actually quite dangerous. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Here's a thought this morning. Some things that we think are dead, Jesus just says they're sleeping. Some things in your life that you think are gone... Jesus just said, hey, that dream's just sleeping. I'm working on it. What's happening while you're sleeping? You're recuperating. There's something happening on the inside of you that's developing strength on the inside of you to be able to go towards your next season. Some people in here this morning, you feel like it's dead. God just says it's sleeping. You feel like that dream is over. God just says, I'm doing a work. I'm recuperating. I'm building. I'm doing something on the inside. You can't see the results right now, but it's not dead. Some people have given up on somebody and thought, you know what, that situation's dead. I've done all that I naturally could. 
I don't know if there's any more I could do. And God just says, hey, just sleep because I've got this covered. I'm doing the heavy lifting in this situation. Rest in me. It's not dead. They're just sleeping. Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Um, Come, let's go and see him. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Have you noticed different people respond differently to tragedy? There's people that rush to meet other people. There's people that rush towards God in those moments. And there's those that draw back and say, God, I don't know why you allowed this to happen. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Is anybody holding on to that promise this morning? That there's some things in your life that will rise again. Even when it feels dead. Even when it feels like four days have passed. And it feels like patience is at a whole time high. God can still bring things to life. God can still raise things from the dead. In fact, Jesus is an expert at being raised from the dead. He knows how to do it. He knows how to bring dead things to life. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from all the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Verse 32, Mary didn't have that same kind of filter as Martha did. Mary approached the situation and she just didn't say, God, if you'd been here, uh, you know, you could have saved Lazarus. But I know, God, that you can do whatever you want to do. She'd moved past that point of trusting God. She'd moved to a place of just being bitter and angry with Jesus. She'd been to a place where she was just saying, you should have been here. And she goes on to say uh, in verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Didn't finish with, you know, how the Psalms kind of sometimes finish with, they have a lot of complaining and they finish, but God, you are my God and I worship you. That didn't happen for Mary in that moment. Do you know you can be real like that with God? Where you just feel lost. You feel like you're at the end of your rope. You feel disappointed. You feel discouraged. And you can just go to God and you can just pour out your heart. You can come to the feet of Jesus just like Mary did right here and not have the greatest filter and just go and blame it all on God. And he's big enough to be able to handle that. He's big enough to be able to forgive in that moment and love you in that moment even when you're not being a loving person. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled, not at her, but at the situation. Where have you put him? He asked them. 
They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Shortest passage in the Bible. I'm so glad that in this moment, Jesus wept. He wasn't just a robot. He wasn't just on to the next task, focused on the next thing. Jesus was real. Jesus felt the emotion. He felt the pain in that moment. When you're going through the most incredible tragedy and the the most incredible pain in your life, when you're going through a delay and it hurts and it's hard, God knows. God weeps. God understands the pain that you're feeling. He wept. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said to them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Even when it felt like it was over, Jesus was working on a miracle. Even when it felt like all hope was lost, Jesus was working towards his purpose. And I wonder in your life, have you ever felt like it just seems like God's going to sleep on this one? But he's actually working. And while you're resting in him, he's bringing about the miracle. Do you know what? The miracles that happen in our lives don't come by our heavy lifting. They come by the power of Jesus Christ. You don't have to pray a certain way to make it happen. You don't have to try and convince God or manipulate God to make it happen. If you seek God and you trust him, he is on the move. You're not the one doing the heavy lifting. You're not the miracle worker. You've just got access to the miracle worker. And that's Jesus Christ. So three things this morning quickly. Three things to remember when it's time to be patient. Number one, the first one's this. God is not shocked. God has never texted you back the shocked emoticon. He's never said that to you because he's never been shocked. He doesn't know how to be shocked. There's never been a moment in time where God's, oh, I didn't see that happening that way. He's already seen it happen before you saw it happen. He knows exactly what's going on in your situation. He has never, ever been shocked. See, what happens with shock is shock is when a moment that seems an external moment gets into your heart. We were at the zoo yesterday at Hunter Valley Zoo. And there is moments where you go past with the kids and you look into past the fence and you look through the fence on the other side and you can see the animals. You can see the lions and the tigers, the birds, the monkeys. You can see them all in these enclosures. And it's like, oh, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. But lucky I'm outside here. I'm safe here, right? They're not going to get me. They're not going to touch me. Well, my kids like to test that. So they put their hands through the little holes. And, and, and just yesterday, as they put their hands through the hole, Georgia put her hands through the hole, one of the birds bit her on the hand. What happened? There was a shock attached to it. What seemed to be a gap and a difference and a fence, it got personal all of a sudden. Have you ever found that shock does that in your life where there's something that happens and it could happen to a million other people, but it doesn't affect you, but then it happens to you. And it's like, I, I felt that now. Shock has hit me. 
And there's moments like that when we feel that shock that we start questioning everything. Why has this happened, God? I don't understand. God doesn't feel that shock. He already saw it happening. He already understood all that was happening surrounding that. God is not shocked. He's not shocked by your behavior, your past, your situation, your delay, your frustration, or your anger. He's not shocked by any of that. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that was going to outplay. He's already seen it happen. I'll never forget when I got notified of both my mom and my dad passing away. The shock of that moment where it got personal, where it got real, it jolts you. I remember getting the call from my dad and just sitting sitting on the bed when I'd heard the news that my dad had passed and just sitting there just in shock. I don't know what to do. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that is always on the move and doing things. But in that moment, it was like my body just shut down. I just literally sat on my bed. It was like I was on pause. It was like time stood still. There was a sense of shock that I don't even know how to compute what I'm hearing with the emotions in my body. Have you ever felt like that before? Where there's a kind of shock where it just jolts you in such a way that it shakes the foundations of your world. But you've got to still remember in those moments, God is still holding your world. Even when it feels like you're shaken, God is firm. His hand and his protection on you is firm. It has not changed. God is working even while you're waiting. God is working even while you're wondering what's going to happen. And God is working even in your pain. God is not shocked. It says in this passage, going back, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. What's going on in your world that you are shocked by? But God's not taken by surprise. We have the choice to put our trust in Him rather than our shock and rather than our circumstance. And as we put our hope in Jesus, it's amazing how such situations begin to turn around. Things begin to change in our life. Or at the very least, something happens on the inside of us. Secondly, this morning, God is not shaken. Goes back, go back to the passage in John chapter 11. It says in verse 5, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He didn't rush. He didn't panic. He didn't freak out in that moment. Jesus had a simple trust that God was still in control of this situation. It looked like it was over. It looked like it was dead to everybody else, but Jesus was moving in that situation. And there's times in our life where it feels like when we uh, survey the landscape, it feels like there is death all around us. It feels like there's barren land all around us, and it doesn't feel like it's going to work out. But Jesus is working even in the midst. Even when we don't understand it, Jesus is at work. God's not shaken. Now, many of us are like, Smoke alarm, Christians. It's like the alarm goes off. Something changes in our environment. And it's like an internal alarm goes off and we start freaking out. We start panicking. You know what it's like when the smoke alarm goes off at home? You just can't just continue to watch the TV. 
You just can't continue just to go on cooking as if nothing has happened. That kind of creates this uh, safe amount of chaos in your house where everybody runs to where the smoke alarm is. They're grabbing a tea towel and they're waving that over the smoke alarm area. They're trying to get it out. You're opening windows and doors and everyone's kind of gathered in. You know what? Sometimes our lives can look a bit like that in moments where we allow something that happens in our life to create panic and it shakes us and this alarm goes off and then we start acting out of our environment instead of acting out of our trust in Jesus. What happened when there was this storm raging around while Jesus was in the boat with the disciples? Everyone's panicking. Jesus, where are you? Why aren't you going to save us? Everyone's thinking we're going to die. Jesus is asleep. He didn't have the same alarm everyone else had. It's like, Jesus, do you realize what's going on here? And in those moments, we have to find our rest in God. And so, you know what? I know that it feels like this moment and this environment is shaky right now, but God is with me. I love in Exodus 14, verse 14, it says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I've been talking to little Cooper about earthworms recently. We got this little garden at home and we found a couple of earthworms and put them in the garden. And as we've been talking about earthworms, we kind of looked it up a little bit about them. It says this, earthworms act like tiny plows when they live in a garden. As earthworms move through the soil of a garden, they make tunnels just like plowing. These tunnels allow air and water to get to the roots of plants. In other words, they make your garden healthy. And don't you reckon patience is a little bit like that? It's very slow moving. You look at these worms and you can just see that they're just slowly moving through. It just seems like it's taking so much time. And the situations in our life that can sometimes feel like they're just moving so slowly. But yet they're causing health. They're doing something on you. It's expanding your faith. It's helping your patience. It's helping you to trust God even in the moments you don't understand. It's creating tunnels of trust in your life. As you go through a season of patience with joy, as we make that choice to trust him and allow our faith muscle to flex in those moments of patience, it's actually doing us good. It's actually creating health. It's actually drawing us closer to Jesus. But what we often do is we kind of curse our time of waiting instead of understanding God is doing something on the inside of us. Third and finally this morning, God is not stopped. It says in verse 7, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus is like, I'm not going to be stopped by this moment. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. There was no moment that Jesus was kind of overawed by the situation. There was no moment where Jesus was like, it's getting a bit hard now. I've waited two days. The people here don't like me because I've waited two days. This person's been dead for four days. This situation is getting a little bit complex now. I'm just going to tap out. Jesus never did that. There was never a moment where Jesus was worried about the environment and the situation. In fact, it was incredible that he waited four days. Because even in the culture of the day, people had an understanding, hey, we could wait three days. But four days was like, that's pushing it too far. 
That's way too long for this body to be dead. Four days. And don't you reckon this miracle could have been so much different? If Jesus had just left straight away, Jesus had just went straight away when he got the call, went straight down and healed us just while he was still alive. But why is this miracle recorded in the Bible and why does it stand out even more than others? Because that could have just been like any other person that was sick that wasn't even recorded in the Bible. This one's so significant because Jesus waited. This one's so special because it actually was four days this person was dead. This is the first time someone had been recorded as being dead and coming back to life. And even when we think it's over, God is not stopped. It's an opportunity for God to bring about an incredible supernatural miracle. That's why we love this story, because it wasn't man-created. It wasn't just some nice story. He had a cold and he got, God, God touched him and he was healed. He was dead. The smell of death was on this man. And can I say this morning, there's some people here that you felt the smell of death to a situation. And it just felt like it's over. I can smell death on this. But it's not over for God. Because God specializes in bringing dead things to life. God specializes in taking situations that are in the impossible basket and turning those around and making them possible by the power of Jesus. Don't give up on Him because He hasn't given up on you. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. See, sometimes we're monitoring the things that we've placed in God's hands. We're going back and checking with God. Hey, you haven't done it yet like we needed to. If you're like me, sometimes you like to give God a bit of a hand because it feels like he's struggling. God, you're not getting this. You're not moving fast enough. God, I don't know whether you understand this, but this situation with this person, this person, that's getting intense. You need to intervene right now. God's like, I got this. In fact, I got you. I made you. He knows exactly what to do in those situations. In fact, in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, it says, For I am watching over my word to perform it. God is watching over his word to perform it in your life. God's already working out what you're worried about. He's already working in that situation. I love in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. Have you noticed in waiting rooms, there's a whole bunch of different people? Go to any waiting room, perhaps you're in a in a waiting room to see a doctor or, or whatever it would be, waiting for an appointment, there's a whole bunch of people. You know, there's the happy waiter. A person's just so happy. It's like you're, you're saying to that person, why are you so happy? And they're like, I'm just so happy. I'm just so blessed to be able to have this incredible health care in Australia. I'm so blessed to be able to sit on these comfortable chairs as I wait. I'm so blessed that there's air conditioning in this waiting room. It's just an incredible moment. And the staff are so nice here. And you're just like, bless your heart. <laughs> then there's the angry waiter. They're pacing. This is probably me. 
they're pacing in that waiting room. They're just waiting for you to hurry up. And why is that person taking so long? And why are they talking? And why don't they just get to the next appointment? Why don't they have more doctors in here? Why don't they have more staff? Where's the funding for this? It must be our government. I'm so mad. And they're angry. They're frustrated. Then there's a manipulative waiter. This may be my wife sometimes. She's in there with a sick kid. They're waiting for the doctor. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Go back up to the counter. Hey, we're just checking on uh, how the doctor's going. Where the doctor be like, he's really not well. Really not well. He's actually just vomited again. And, and, and going back and back and back and seeing, can, can we make this happen faster? Come on, can you please get some other stuff? This is a really serious situation. Come on. And we're trying to orchestrate it and make it happen. Anybody relate to that? No, I've done that at times. And you're just trying to get it happening quickly. What about the silent, angry person that's waiting? Don't talk to me. I can't even bear you looking at me. Don't even smile. And they're there and they're angry and they're sitting in silence. They are about to explode. But the best thing they can do in that room is not say a word. And so they're just sitting there fuming. They're fuming about the weight. They're fuming about all the things they're missing, the meetings they're missing, the things that are going on that they're not getting to. They are frustrated. Then there's the overly dramatic waiter, the person that is just getting up, getting a cup of water, and they're just pacing around. It's very obvious that they're waiting. They're getting the book out. They're doing the huffing. And everyone's noticing this person is so dramatic about waiting. you know the thing about all of these waiters they're all still waiting you might as well just be the happy waiter because you're still waiting the same whether you're the grumpy angry silent waiter as to whether you're the happy waiter so you might as well make the choice to wait happily you might as well make the choice to trust God happily because all of those things you try and do, manipulate, be angry, huff and puff, yell at God, get frustrated, all of those things are just taking energy, but they're not moving you any faster forward. See, happiness is the result of trust, not speed. Happiness is the result of trust, not speed. Sometimes things are not going to happen quickly. They're not going to happen in your time frame, in your Kronos time frame. Because God's got a Kairos for you. He's got an appointed moment for you. He's got a miracle-making moment, a testimony moment that He set aside for you. And in that waiting, you've got to choose. Are you going to be stressed or are you going to be blessed? Are you going to be focusing on Jesus or are you going to be focusing on the problem? Because here's the problem. We're going to all be in a waiting room as the team wants to come. There's moments where we are all going to have to wait. But you have to choose how you're going to wait. Because that makes all the difference. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 46 verse 9. God's speaking. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come? 
I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a far land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. God is God. And we serve God. Sometimes we try to take the place of God by manipulating and trying to create circumstances and trying to work our way through situations. But can I say this? God is working His purpose out even while you're waiting. God is not shocked. God is not shaken. And God is not stopped as you trust in Him. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I pray for your church today. And the test of patience, Lord, help us not to be the angry waiter. Help us not to be the frustrated, manipulated waiter. Lord, help us to be the happy waiter, the person that counts it all joy, even in the moments that we don't understand, even in the delays and the denials that seem so infuriating, Lord. We still choose to trust in you. Lord, even when we don't understand the circumstance and why it's not happening like we thought, God, we still trust in you. Even when it feels cruel and wrong, God, we know that you still love us and you've got a plan and purpose for us. And Lord, I pray that patience would have its purpose in our lives. In those moments of testing, in those moments of being in the waiting room, God, I pray, give us strength to wait well. Give us the power to be patient. Help us to trust you, Lord God, and know that you're moving. Even when we feel like it's dead, you say it's sleeping. And Lord, I pray this morning, give us eyes to see these dreams again. Give us eyes to see the breakthroughs again and the testimonies that are coming again. Even when we've got weary and fatigued in doing good and trusting in you, God, give us strength again to be able to mount up with wings like eagles and be able to see what you have for us, God. Be able to see it from an eagle point of view, that God, you are working even in the midst. And this morning we say, we trust you. Not in our own timing, but we trust you. Not in how we want it to be, but we just trust you. Full stop. Help us that, that to be our declaration today. God, we trust you full stop. We ask that this morning in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship God a little bit longer this morning.